What's going on, people? It's your boy Kalichi back with another episode of the Ramblin' Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? We got a lot to get to. We got a lot to get to today, but we're just going to start off with this. We're going to start off talking about, if you don't know, which you should have known by now if you're on social media or anything like that, about the Ahmad Arbery situation. It's not really a situation. It's a tragic. It's a tragedy. It's not a situation. It's a tragedy. And it's just, I don't know, man. It just, <laughs> especially as a black man who is the same age as this guy. I'm just like, I just, I don't have words. I don't have words. If you don't know what I'm talking about, basically, a young man named Ahmad Ahmad Arbery went for a jog like some of us will do during this quarantine. You know, it's something that I've done multiple times as I've been quarantined. It's something that I do on a regular basis regardless. He went for a jog or a run. You know, get out of the house, exercise a little bit. He thought he would just be, you know, gone for a little bit, be back home. Everything would be cool. Everything would be copacetic, you know. He's done it probably a million times. You know, he's been out more times. Like, this was just going to be another run that he's been on. Like, it ain't nothing new. He's been running. He's been jogging. He's been clearing his mind rather than being stuck at home all day. Being healthy. Trying to take care of his body. Trying to take care of his mind. And so, he, he you know, he went for the run. And during the run, you had two white men, a father and son combo, who were on apparently on patrol duty, who died and made them kings, I don't know, who gave them the reins to be patrol duty men, to become police officers in that town, I don't know. But they became police officers. They became judge, jury, and executioner. You had Ahmad just jogging. In the neighborhood he lived in. Jogging. Just exciting his freedom. Being able to be free. And first of all, they follow him. (laughs) They follow him. And then they stop and confront him. They follow him, stop, confront him. And I'm assuming because this... This happens on a regular basis to people that have the same skin color as me. They were disrespectful to him without a doubt. I'm pretty sure that I can say without a doubt. And so he he talks back sideways to them. They feel that because they have guns on them, they can say whatever they want. And so they pull out their gun and threaten him. And of course, something happens. There's an altercation. And they shoot him. All I know is Ahmad is a G because even before, even after they shot him, my guy was still fighting back. So, but they shot him and this happened in February. February. And we didn't even know about it. The two men went scot-free. Police showed up. They told the police, oh, self-defense. He attacked us. You know, he's a black man. He's a scary black man. Look at his muscles. Look at him. He's scary and he's black. So he must have done something. And you know, 
Like any other time in history, police says, ah, you know, you're probably right. Who they gonna believe, the dead man or the two white dudes? Even when they're alive, they still don't listen to the black dude. So, like, I mean, so this happened in February, and a lawyer who was working, the defendant who was working, or rather the prosecutor who was working on the case, decided to leak the video. Or rather, I was reading another article that was on New York Times, and on the Times article, it talked about how the case kind of got broken. It basically got broken by somebody in LA catching wind about the story and then getting in contact with a reporter that he had talked to a long time ago. And then a re- and then that reporter told his chief editor, his chief editor told one of his reporters in Atlanta, his Atlanta, the Atlanta reporter decided to drive eight hours round trip to be able to get down to the source of the story and knock on some doors during a Corona pandemic. So shout out to that reporter. Shout out to that reporter on going and taking this. Because otherwise we would have never known. I don't remember the reporter's name, but we would have never known about this. And in other words, that would be another dead black black man that everybody would say, oh, he's just, he was a robber, he or he was this and he was that. And when truly in honesty, he never did anything. But anyway, the reporter goes down there, knocks on some, on some doors, finds the prosecutor who was still trying to work on the case while they were trying to get the case thrown out. And the prosecutor says, oh, so this is a story. He leaks the tape. The tape spreads like wildfire. And at the beginning of May, then they finally decide to arrest the two men who shot and killed the man. And I'm not going to say shot and killed, who murdered Ahmaud Arbery. Because it wasn't like it was an accidental thing. You had two men who hopped in in their truck and went out looking for blood. And you can tell me otherwise, but I don't really care, man. I don't really care about what you have to say. Because I've experienced the other side of so many times. Where they look at you and they say, you're a dangerous black man. When they look at you and say, you look suspicious. For what? Because I'm black? Like, I... I don't think people, some people don't truly understand the difference in the fact of when we say that in the United States of America, nobody cares about a black man or a black woman or any other race that isn't the Caucasian race. I mean, you can take it how you want. You can be defensive if you're listening to this podcast right now. Be defensive. I really don't care. You can make all kinds of excuses, but when you've lived it, you've lived it. And when you know, you know. My only thing with this whole thing is for everyone to realize and for more people to realize where they are. Shout out to all my friends who were like, who I can talk to about this. To all my white brothers and sisters out there who reached out during this situation and were able to talk about it. And I was able to explain the the plight. And I was able to explain what has happened and that this still happens. 
that yes, we live in the year 2020, but it don't mean that racism dead. It don't mean that prejudice is gone. It don't mean that when I walk out in the streets, I definitely can't wear a black hoodie. If I wear a black hoodie at night, oh Lord, oh my God, I better not put up that hood because, oh, here he comes. He's a hooded black man wearing a black hoodie. What's he going to do? I'm just like, I'm going to get some ice cream. (laughs) I'm hungry for some ice cream. I want some junk food. But that's not how I've seen. I still remember a day when me and my brother were out. And who were just, we went to get some tacos. Or maybe it was some quesadillas. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. And he was chilling with me. And we were driving back. We were chilling in the car enjoying some music in the background, just rolling down the street. And we're about to pull up to my apartment. And then there was some like traffic in front of us. We were chill. We were enjoying each other's company. It was whatever. We're just chill. We're there on the road. And so we're just waiting our turn and we're chilling. And so the police, the guy lets the first person go. And so we we drive up and he stops us. And me and my brother are like, "Mm, I wonder what's going on. And then the guy goes, why are you rushing? like dog like we chilling in this car like we just chilling and he was like he was like why are you rushing i could have you arrested i was like dog what's going on and at this point my brother (laughs) he was still very hot-headed on at this point in time so he was about to explode and so he was like sir I, i nobody said anything to you we didn't rush you. We were just out here doing our own thing, just driving. And at this point, I could see the guy starting to tense up. The police officer dude starting to tense up. And I look at my brother and I say, shut up. We trying to make it home. We ain't doing all that. He's still tense, but he shuts up. And I say, I'm sorry about that officer. Can we go, please? And, you know, he goes off on a whole other tirade talking about all this nonsense and we leave. And, of course, my brother is still hot about it. But at the end of the day, the most important thing to me is that me and my brother are still here today. This is not a one-off event. This happens regularly. I can tell you story after story about being pulled over for no other reason other than why do you drive that car and what are you doing here? (laughs) <laughs> as if driving a car all of a sudden makes me, I, I, as if I can't afford the things I can afford or I shouldn't be able to afford the things that I'm able to afford or I shouldn't live where I live or I shouldn't buy what I buy or I shouldn't eat what I eat or I shouldn't hang around with the people that I hang around. This... I just want more people to realize, I said it last week, or rather I said it on Tuesday, reality is reality. We live in this reality, and each day I face this reality. I'm going to be honest, I don't expect it to change, and I'm always finding my way to work through it. And I'll advise all the people that look like me and walk like me and are in this road Reality is reality. Do what you have to do to protect yourself. You know what you have to do. 
doesn't it, it, sometimes it has to be you just have to swallow it you just have to take it and be okay with it because that is our reality and reality is a machine and there's some rules some terrible trash rules but we play in it every day the good thing is we can always come out on top always come out on top but anyway Moving on from there, let's talk about some other news so we can laugh at some stuff. Well, I say that, but then it's not really good news on the other side of the stuff. We're talking about the U.S. unemployment rate. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see a graph in the background just to show you how ridiculously high our unemployment rate is. If you compare right now to the 2008 pandemic, well, I say pandemic, 2008 recession due to the housing market fall, this is not even close. The unemployment rate during that time never got above 10%. We are at an unemployment of 14.7% as private non-farm payrolls got released. And it said that about, if not more than 20 million people lost their jobs just in the month of April. In the month of April. And it's expected to get worse as more industries start seeing more and more of the viewpoint of this pandemic it's expected to get to up to about 22% unemployment. And so just to break down some industries that saw some of these losses, retail lost over 2.1 million jobs. Professional and business services, so you know your nine, your typical 9 to 5 corporate America type of gigs, lost about 2.1 million jobs. Healthcare, 1.4 million. Arts, entertainment, and recreational stuff. You know, the things we used to do for fun, but now we're stuck at home. 1.3 million. Manufacturing, 1.3 million. Construction, 975,000. And government jobs were cut by about 980,000 jobs. This unemployment rate that we are at right now is actually worse, worse than when we were in the Great Depression. Also, we reached this we reached this number much faster than any other time in history. If you look at during the during the 2008 recession, unemployment took time to climb that high. I mean, it took over 2 years for unemployment to get to about I think it was about 9%, 9. Point something percent, and then it dropped off uh, shortly thereafter. But here it literally has taken 2 months I mean, think about it. Back in February, we were celebrating the fact that the United States had an unemployment, the lowest unemployment in all of history at about three and a half percent. And now we're looking, we're staring dead in the face of an unemployment number that is 14.7 percent. Now, I know we've been talking about the jobless claims, but the key thing to take from this is the jobless claims is very different from unemployment. Jobless claims is what people sign up for in other to get benefits. However, not everyone is going to sign up for unemployment benefits. That's where this un unemployment number comes in. It gives us more of an accurate viewpoint of what's going on in the economy. However, the other part of this unemployment is that it doesn't even take into it, it doesn't take into factor the fact that some people are still not even looking for jobs right now. Unemployment only looks at the number of people who have lost a job and are actively searching for a new job. And so there are some people who are afraid because of the pandemic, they're not searching for a new job just yet. And so this number is actually a lot higher. They are, they're saying that it's probably closer to about 30 million officially unemployed, 
which is where you're getting that about that 25% rate or rather that um that 20 I think it was down here where they said it yeah that 22.8% that we should we probably are at right now that we just don't know about plus we have more businesses that are filing for bankruptcy we have more people who are closing their doors we just have a lot more stuff than this unemployment number is capturing right now and so it's it's massive it's massive it's leading to a lot of different questions of what exactly are we going to do right now and we'll talk about that in a second but there is hope hope there is light at the end of the tunnel the belief is that if we can get covid the muscle mighty virus covid under control when we move into the third quarter unemployment should drop below 11 percent however it's going to keep rising probably from now going into june and it may stabilize in june july hopefully hopefully it stabilizes then and then it's start going to start trailing off the hope is that when we get into the third quarter of this year so in august or so it sh- the numbers should start trailing off that's the hope but the key, the key thing for that to happen is that we have to get COVID-19 under control. And speaking of which, we ain't really doing all of that because we want to open up the states. <laughs> Rather than getting COVID-19 under control, as everybody keeps saying, every economist, every Every doctor, every scientist, everybody keeps saying, we need to get this thing under control. We need to get COVID-19 under control. The opposite is what's going on right now as leaders and government officials and all of them are just like, you know what? We're good. Let's move on. Let's open up this thing. The economic damage is too great. I mean, you're looking at, they're looking at an unemployment number that they've never seen in all of history that has happened this fast. They're looking at GDP falling every single day. They're looking at productivity just disappearing. They're looking at spending just going away. And so it's like, what are we going to do? But then the thing is like, they're trying to open up so fast. And then Dr. Fauci, who is the head of, who has been over the whole coronavirus task force that supports the White House, he came out and he said he had a presentation in front of Congress and he gave them, he was actually, he actually had to self-quarantine because a couple of cases were found at the white house which is just to me is just crazy there's nowhere that's safe there's just absolutely nowhere safe after two cases was found within within the white house i think it was one of donald trump trump's uh two aides for donald trump one was his valet and the other was a vice president's spokeswoman so two people tested positive for it it just shows that there's nowhere they're safe no matter how much people want to say oh it's gonna be fine we'll work this whole thing out da 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 No, like this whole thing is not going anywhere anytime soon. But anyway, Dr. Fauci came out and he said, there is no doubt, and this is in quotes, by the way, there is no doubt that even under the best circumstances, when you pull back on mitigations, you will see some cases appear. The consequences could be really serious. Some suffering, suffering and death that could be avoided, but could even, uh, some suffering and death could be avoided, but could even set you back on the road to try to get economic recovery. Basically, what he's saying is, yo, I know we want to open up. I know we're seeing all this kind of economic damage that's going on. I know that, yes, if we don't get the economic right, it's going to be worse off on the back end. And I know there's a balance to getting both of these things right. But we have to be careful about the way that we do it. We have to implement these things properly. 
you we we can't just willy-nilly just start dragging back on different precautions that we had put in place that have actually helped to start curbing some of those cases we cannot just rush back out there and just tell oh you know what we're gonna start reducing the cases and he's just saying that if we do this if we do this we're going to start seeing some more cases and that actually happened in texas and alabama and i believe in in south dakota there was an uptick in cases once they started reducing and easing back some of the coronavirus restrictions that were in place and another doctor a former fda head uh dr scott gottlieb he was a former fda commissioner he came out and said the bottom line is a lot of states are now reopening activity against the backdrop that doesn't meet the criteria that the white house set out in terms of when it is safe to reopen remember about the uh open america again i don't know what's up with donald trump and all the against but anyway he said to be safe to reopen we're going to see cases go up now that we're reopening and that is actually happening we're seeing more new cases in or an uptick in the number of cases in alabama south dakota texas and a couple of other places a couple of other states and even when you look on the global scale you look at countries that thought that they had quelled everything we're thinking about countries like south korea and even china who thought that oh we had this thing on the wraps but then all of a sudden they started seeing uptick in cases all over again and south korea has gone back into a shutdown mode china has shut down certain regions again to try and corral this thing and that's what some of these uh doctors and professionals and health specialists and health officials are coming out and saying that hey if we see an uptick what you have to do is you have to lock back down but we live in the United States of America and there's no way people are going to go for that again. As soon as you open that, you, you squeeze that toothpaste out, it's not going back in the tube. It's just not happening. People are not going to lock themselves back up. People are not going to pay attention. And that's exactly what's happening right now. And so the thing is, we have to be careful about how we play this. But then the other question on the other side, we have the doctor side. Then on the economist side and the investor side and business leader side and people who are looking at more of the numbers in economic standpoint and looking at more of how businesses are going to operate they have some questions as well as to how reopening might even help them apart from the fact that everybody's scared about a second wave they're also just asking the question of like what is it going to look like when we start reopening and will that actually even help anybody or anything so one of some of the questions they have is, will consumers and businesses behave and spend the way that they used to? You got to think about it. Most people, like we just talked about, over 20, 20 million plus people are unemployed. And then the other question is, how many of these job losses will be permanent? Because there will be industries that are going to be heavily, heavily affected by this. There's going to be industries that is going to be forever changed by this. There's going to be a lot of consolidations. There's going like we've already talked about, there's already companies that are bankrupt. I'm thinking about Gold's Gym. I'm thinking about J. Crew. There's a lot of companies that are already going bankrupt because of this. And then the other question is how will businesses adapt to the new safety requirements and and the whole new working from home environment? Will supply chains be able to recover with uneven reopenings and how will globalization be preserved? On that one, I say I doubt globalization global, Globalization will be preserved. There's going to be a whole lot more nationalism after this, especially when 
if you look at China and there was already a battle between the U.S. and China going into this. And now the virus came from China. For the most part, it started spreading from China and spread to the rest of the world from there. So globalization is going to be done. In other words, there's going to be things are going to be more expensive in the future. Just watch out for that. And then the other question is, are we going to have a treatment soon? There is Remdesivir that is being tested and hopefully it works and works really well. And then the other question is, when can we have a vaccine so we can quickly turn things to where to the way it was before? And then the other question is, it's a question about deflation. If you don't know what deflation is, it's the opposite of inflation. Inflation is when prices start going up. Deflation is when prices drop too fast and keep going down. There's a danger in both of these things. Both of these things are necessary, but both of these things can be dangerous as well. So the question is, with all the money that the Fed and the the Fed keeps pumping into the economy and pumping into the economy, doing all kinds of moves, buying bonds, even buying bond ETFs, in other words, stepping more into the stock market type of thing. If they're doing that, what what is the what is going to affect? How is that going to affect inflation and deflation and that relationship? And then finally, will the U.S. and China's tenuous phase one deal survive? In other words, are we about to go back into a trade war, which I think we are, because I think the U.S. will pressure a lot of companies and a lot of companies are already being pressured. Regardless, we're already being pressured to find other routes for their manufacturing. And I also think that there's a lot of companies that is, that is going to bring a lot of manufacturing back into the US because they don't want to have to deal with so many supply chain issues. However, the problem with that is that's gonna come at a cost. It's gonna come at a cost for the goods and services that we are used to at a current price. We're not gonna be, be able to see that ever again, I don't think. Well, not ever again, but in the near future when we're coming out of this thing because there's gonna be a whole lot more a national resurgence of we need to protect ourselves so that this never happens to us ever again. But anyway, moving on from that and speaking of like the whole talking about the economy and how the economy is going to rebound and what is the government doing to make the economy rebound? Well, the House Democrats unveiled a new $3 trillion Corona's relief package. This is going to be phase four of the relief packages that the the house is is planning to or rather they're presenting to the senate it's already gone through the house now they're presenting it to the senate it still has to be argued in the senate and some things about the proposal that i think is interesting or very important is one 500 billion dollars for state governments this is so that they can continue to provide unemployment towards moving into into January of next year. Because right now, the money that's going into unemployment is going to expire by July. And so they want to extend the range of that $600 per week that you can get if you can manage to sign up for unemployment because the system is just what it is. But if you can manage to sign up for that unemployment, they want to extend the time frame that you are that you are that you may be and possibly will be unemployed and support the american people which is great the other part is 375 billion dollars for local governments this will go to ensure that teachers firefighters police officers all those like local government type of positions and jobs are continuing to be su uh, supported through this because one of the biggest things that happened that is happening during this whole coronavirus situation is the fact that the government is not going to get that much taxes with the amount of people that are unemployed there's just no income stream that's coming to states and local government or anything like that and so they need help from the federal government who can print money who can take loans who can issue bonds and get some money into the economy and then give it out and then the other part of it 
is a $75 billion housing assistance. This is so that people don't get kicked out of their houses during this period. Uh, and so that, and then part of that is also going to be where they give about $1,200 to each person to be able to make it through this time. So that's some of the key points. Some other parts is they actually are trying to help the U.S. Postal Service by giving them $25 billion. But as we all know, Donald Trump ain't going to go for that because he already said he thinks Postal Service is the pet of Amazon. So, you know, he hates Jeff Bezos. And so therefore, he's not going to go for that one. But um, I really hope that something passes. I really hope that something within this whole thing passes because there are a lot of people that are struggling during this time period. There's a lot of people who just don't know where their next meal might come from. There's a lot of people that are suffering right now and we need them to do something. However, our government system is very stupid. Very, very stupid. It's like we have a bunch of, I don't know, it just feels like we have a bunch of like monkeys in suits in the federal government. It just feels that way because I was reading, I saw this article and I, I wanted to share it with everybody. It's a uh, the GOP, if you don't know what GOP, GOP is the same as Republicans, are split over state aid that could mostly go to Democratic strongholds. You know, the state aid we we're just talking about. What they're more worried about is not the fact that they're trying to help citizens, but they're more worried about the fact that it's going to help some Democratic states. Like, what? What does that matter? What does that matter? And I agree with what Mitt Romney said. He came out and I'll read exactly what the Washington, uh, the New York Times says. When Senator Mitt Romney of Utah strode into a luncheon with fellow Republicans last week, he was carrying an oversized poster in his black gloved hand that bore a blunt message. Blue states aren't the only ones who are screwed. Like, think about it. Like it's just, it just makes no sense to me that the reason why they're so like, oh my God, I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to do that thing. is because it's th this rivalry between Democrats and Republicans. Like it's so stupid. Can y'all just get your heads out of your butts for like literally five minutes, literally just five minutes, sit down at a table and agree to help the American public, please. Like, it just makes no sense that the whole divide, that there's so much divisiveness when there's so many people that are stuck, that are struggling. But they don't care about that. But when it comes to helping, I just, I don't know. Even Jerome Powell came out and said, hey, we are doing, if you don't know who Jerome Powell is, he's the head of the Federal Reserve. And by the way, there's a separation between the federal government and the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve can only influence so much. It can only influence the banking system, ensuring that they have money to loan out to people. It can only influence that side of things so much. The federal government influences the way people spend money because it can give people money to spend. And so the Federal Reserve is doing all it can to ensure that banks have money, to ensure that people can get loans, to ensure that businesses can survive and keep hiring people. But the federal government is not playing their part. They're not doing their part. And so the markets keep flying. The markets keep going up and up and up and up. So the rich keep getting richer because the only thing that the Federal Reserve does on that side is people who already have assets. If you have assets, in other words, if you're investing your money in the stock market, if you own a company, if you own major shares in a company, guess what? The stock market, although it was down, it's recovering. You're making more money. But on the other side, people who don't have that much assets, that doesn't help them. 
It's just like Ray Dalio was saying. He was saying we have a problem right now where whenever we have a situation like this, you look back on 2008, so many people lost their houses. What got helped? The help was basically just for corporations. There was barely any help that went to the citizens. And so I just need all these politicians to get their head out of their butts and start trying to come together on an agreement on this. Figure it out. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Sit together for five minutes and come up with a solution. And then I got a few more (laughs) interesting topics. One is (laughs) Elon Musk was like, he tweeted out, Tesla is restarting production today against the Alameda County rules. I will be on the front line with everyone else. If anyone is arrested, I ask that it only be me. Backdrop. Tesla is pissed off, or let me say Elon Musk is pissed off because they won't let him go back to work to open up his plant in California. He keeps looking around and he sees that GM is able to open up their plant. Ford is able to open up their their plant. Chrysler is able to open up their plant. Why can't I open up my plant? So he's just very upset and he wants to open up his plant and everything. So he went to war against the local government in California. And who would have guessed it? He won. He was able to open up his plant and he won. But it was just an interesting back and forth where he said that he's moving, taking his his factory out of California. He's taking it to Texas or Nevada and all this other stuff where it was just, to me, the whole drama was interesting. The whole thing was just very interesting. And part of the reason why he wants to open up his guy is because Tesla is losing a boatload of money. Yes, they did decent. Well, not even decent. They did okay in the first quarter of this year. But the number of cars that's being ordered dropped massively. I mean, a report came out that the number of Model 3s being shipped out in China has dropped like 50%. And so Tesla is seeing those numbers and he's like, yo, we need to get this thing back running. We need to send out some of these cars and get this thing back rolling. So that's something that Elon Musk is focused on and is trying to get fixed and started back up. A couple of other things to talk about. Uber is trying to acquire Grubhub. Uber is trying to expand Uber Eats. And I think this is something we're going to be seeing a whole lot more during this whole coronavirus situation. A lot of companies are going to fold. A lot of companies are going to be taken over. So all of y'all as investors, if you're investing out there, be very careful. Just because a company is at a cheap rate right now doesn't mean that it's going to survive out of this pandemic. Be very, pay very close attention to the business. Just because something is doing well, or appears to be doing well, doesn't mean that it's going to survive on the other side of this stuff. That's why it's important to pay attention to business. But I think Uber is making a great move by consolidating and buying Grubhub. It can expand its footprint as one of the largest size of its business. Well, not largest size, but one of the profitable size of its business has been Uber Eats so far. And so by it expanding out and doing more, it's going to be able to to keep growing. And I think Uber is going to be, it's trying to make its move to be one of the tech giants in the future. Uh, now I'm just going to put this one out here. Boeing CEO says that something will happen when September comes around. Traffic levels will not be, be back to 100%. They won't even be back to 25%. So there will definitely be adjustments that have to be made on the parts of airlines. Basically, he's saying that one of the major airlines will go out of business. So everybody that's investing in Delta, Southwest, uh, United Airlines, and I forget what the other one is, one of them businesses is going to go out, just like what happened in 9-11, where 
There was a bunch of other airlines, but now we only know those main three. And American Airlines, that's the last one I'm forgetting. And we only know those main four. So there were a bunch of other airlines. Even now, there's like Spirit, there's JetBlue. Well, those ones are done because they were already running on really tight budgets. So it's going to be a while before things go back to normal. It's going to be a really, really long time before we're able to see any kind of any kind of changes. The He said, the threat to the airline industry is grave. There's no question about it. An apoc apocalyptic does not actually accurately describe the moment. I don't want to get too predictive on that subject, but yes, most likely. Something will happen when September comes around. Traffic levels will not be back to 100%. They won't even be back to 25%. So there will definitely be adjustments that have to be made on the parts of the airlines. So that's just something to keep in mind. I just want to show this because expect a lot more consolidation. Expect a lot more of the bigger tech companies to acquire more companies. Expect a lot more companies that are doing well or that that, that have the budget and, and the impact to be able to survive through this pandemic to start gobbling up their competitions. So mergers are going to happen. Consolidations are going to happen. Bankruptcy is already happening. Just expect to see more and more of that. But anyway... That's all I got for y'all. Let's do a quick recap of everything that we talked about. We talked about one, we started off with the fact that unemployment is at the highest level it's been since the Great Depression, except it's worse because it happened to get there really, really quickly. And then we have a warning from Dr. Fauci that says, hey, if we open up too fast, we're going to start seeing some more cases. And he was right because on the other hand, we started seeing some uptick in cases where they opened up the states early. And then from there, we talked about the Democrats trying to push a new $3 trillion coronavirus phase four relief package. And the fact that GOPs and Republicans are still putting their butt heads up their butts, both sides, the Republicans and Democrats still have their heads up their butts and they're not figuring this thing out and helping people get the economy back rolling and putting some money in people's hands so they can pay for food, housing, and all the other things that they need to be able to pay for. And then we talked about Tesla and the fact that Elon Musk was not happy, but hey, he was able to win this fight against the local government and open up his, his Fremont factory. And then we talked about Grubhub and Uber and Uber taking over Grubhub. And then finally, we touched on the fact that one airline might go out of business because of the coronavirus and how it has impacted that industry. However, I still want to tell every single person, have hope, stay safe, keep your heads up. I know it looks bleak. I know some crappy things keep happening, but hey, you're alive. I'm alive. We will see a better tomorrow. And that's all we can hope for. But it's been your boy Kalichi. I'm going to hit y'all up on the next one. God bless each and every single one of y'all. And I'm going to hit y'all up on the next one. Peace. And wash your hands. <laughs>